The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Happy Saturday and welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Stephen Serta. Chiefs are on a bye in week eight, but we still get you busy this week at the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Still plenty to discuss as we move into the back half of the Kansas City Chiefs schedule. We're going to start things off today with the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. They had marinated takeaways from their Week 7 win over the San Francisco 49ers. After that, we're going to follow things up with the Out of Structure podcast. They've got question marks or exclamation points as we head into the back half of the schedule. After that, we're going to take a quick timeout, and then when we get back, because it's the bye week, we change things up a little bit, so you'll hear from myself and Rocky Magania as we discuss some of our bye week thoughts for the Kansas City Chiefs. After that, we'll finish things up. I sat down with Arrowhead Pride contributor Zach Gunter to discuss the top Arrowhead Pride bye week awards for the 2022 NFL season. That's all coming up on today's Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week. Okay, so we need to get into our marinated takeaways, and we can't do that unless we hit our marinated takeaway music! Well, I'm going to let this marinate. You know, let that one marinate, and then we can circle back. Adapt. React. Readapt. Takes time. Takes years. <laughs> That's the takeaway. One of the great new things to the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show is the world famous marinated takeaway intro. And typically, we we come out of a commercial, so I, I don't usually have to throw to it. But what a unique show we got for you today! <laughs> this is going to be probably a, a fun edition of marinated takeaway, simply because the Chiefs played particularly well in the fourth quarter yesterday. To blow out the san francisco 49ers john as we do each and every week we will start with you what do you got for us i'm going to start with a statistical nugget that i discovered this morning okay since patrick mahomes has been the starter excuse me that's not right uh in the entire history of the franchise excuse me there have been 16 games where there has been 529 yards of offense or more the number the chiefs put up yesterday 16 games over, what is it, 61, 62 years now? A couple of years. 61, I guess, yeah. Five of those games have been with Patrick Mahomes. So almost a third of them have been since 2018. That's wild. None of those were in 2021. 
with Tyreek Hill on the field for the Whoa. Kansas City Chiefs. Two of them were in 2018 and then one each in 2019 and 2020. Shout out so, to Adam Sandler because that is an uncut gem right there. Yeah. So no, that, I thought that was very interesting. Well, it's telling for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think, and let me make sure this is not in my marinated takeaways. Yeah, it's not. So this is just a bonus. <laughs> <laughs> I think the Chiefs have taken a few games to get used to having to win this way. And it was really timely and nice for Chiefs fans that this all clicked right before the bye. Because you can go into the bye. I, I know that we'll, we'll be looking at that Colts game for a while. Sure. They should not yeah. have lost that game. I know that fans are unhappy that they lost to the Buffalo Bills. That being said, 5-2 and two into the bye week is not so terrible. And I, I think the offense is really coming into fruition. And that leads me to my first marinade takeaway. And that is this, John. Is that Andy Reid and Greg Lewis, the running backs coach, listened to the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show because it wasn't too long ago <laughs> that I told you guys that Isaiah Pacheco was the best first and second down running back on this team. And they finally listened to me, kind of, right? Because... He did get the first touch, so he is technically the quote-unquote starter. I don't know if there's a very real starter on this team. I, I think it was a concerted effort to get him carries because they were getting to the end of games, and you would look at the play sheet or the stat sheet, and he was only getting one or two touches. And for a guy that runs really hard and looks like he can do some damage in the NFL, I think they wanted to make a concerted effort. What I found weird about it is if you're going to make him the running back who touches the ball first, maybe you should have a different kick returner. And, and I know immediately there's people out there that are like that are like well he had what that 50 plus yard return mm-hmm. in, in right. the second half but my point is yeah when he makes that return and he breaks that off then he cannot be the first running back who touches the football and then people will say well Clyde Edwards Elaire ran for a 16 yard touchdown i get all that but if you're going to make the move it's just a little odd to keep him as the kick returner when you do have other options on the team i wonder and Andy Reid and his staff go through this every year where they have some introspection during this week. There's a lot of self-scouting. So the players get the week off, to my knowledge. And then the coaches get half the week off. So the first three days here, like us, we're working about half the week, John. You're, you're evaluating the, the team and, and seeing, seeing what you have um, and, and trying to change things. And I just wonder if they come out of this and say, okay, if Isaiah Pacheco is going to be our RB1, maybe someone else would be better off taking the return. But... I, I like the change. I just think it's the, the best north and south running back on this team. I know some people would say Jarek McKinnon. I disagree respectfully. I like that Pacheco's getting an opportunity here, and I think the more volume he gets, you're going to see why he is is the right pick for this team. Well, you've led right into my second takeaway, Perfect. which is that uh, that I think that the Chiefs were fooling around with us on Sunday by putting out that, that story out there that uh, Pacheco would be the starter. Obviously it came from the team. Um, And I I think they did that because of all the press, the 49ers were getting about how much they were going to play Christian McCaffrey. And I think the Chiefs said, okay, fine. Then you're going to have to think about something that you weren't planning on going into this game. And that would be for this different running back to be the starter. Now, look, anybody who thought that Pacheco was going to get 70 or 80 percent of the snaps because he was the starter in this game was fooling themselves. As yeah. it turned out, it was running back by committee, just as it always has, been, has always been. I think they were like one snap apart. Uh, he and Edwards Alaire were like one snap apart on the game. So yeah. uh, I think that 
I think you're making a good point, Pete. I, I don't, I, I, well, I'm not just going to say I disagree with you. Um, I think they might have wanted to see uh, what Pacheco could do with more snaps and making him the starter was one way to make sure that would happen mm-hmm. because it hadn't been, let's be clear that we, he hadn't been getting games with a lot of snaps, but I think there was also some gamesmanship going on. I agree with part of your point and I, I disagree with the other. The part of where I agree with is that it's still a running back by committee. And it's a scenario where if Clyde Edwards-Elair is playing well, he's going to stay in the game. I don't think he's, his role is getting completely wiped out. We didn't, we saw that yesterday. He's still going to be you know, part of the, right. part of, mm-hmm. part of the plan. I think they're giving Isaiah Pacheco the first crack to be the hot end now, which feels right. I, you know, at some point you got to throw out the draft picks and the age and just go by uh, what you sure. feel you have yeah. there. And I think they're yeah. doing that. The part I disagree yeah. with is I think it came from the agent. I, I just, I don't know the rhyme or reason why the chiefs would want this part out of it. I, I know what you're saying about CMC. I, I think it probably started with the, this is what I think. I think it probably started with the agent who said, look at my seventh round running back as a starter for the NFL team after seven games. I'm sure Ian Rappaport, who's really good at this, confirmed it with the team and they were happy to confirm it. But I just I can't figure out. And I was trying to figure it out why the Chiefs would want this out there so early. They don't care about headlines typically. So the fact that CMC was getting all this attention, I'm sure Andy Reid felt like was a good thing in a way. So I don't know. That's a part of it that we'll never know. But that was my thought on it. It is like I don't I don't think this was necessarily something the Chiefs wanted out. But I I think this is a way to for the agent to kind of brag on the national stage and. Because fantasy football is so big, this was a major national story. Whereas mm-hmm. when fantasy football was not popular, I don't know how much this would have mattered. But it, it just it just changes the game having right. fantasy football as part of the, <laughs> the league. Uh, all right, let's go to my next merited takeaway, and I will go to the my punt my punt returner point, which I know is going to tick you off, John. But oh boy, McCole uh, Hardman needs to be the punt returner, and it isn't just it doesn't just come down to these muff punts. It doesn't, and it's a point that I made with Tyree Kill on the team. You've probably, if you've been, if you're a longtime listener to the editor show, I was, I've always been a proponent of your best returner being the returner, despite what they do on offense. I think there's three prongs to this about McCole Hardman being the punt returner. A, stability does come into it; it's part of it. Sky Moore, and I know this ended up being a 44 to 23 game, but at the time, I mean, this could have been disastrous again. And this mm-hmm. is a better team yeah. than the Indianapolis Colts. And it could have changed the whole game. And, and the Chiefs are fortunate that it didn't. And they're fortunate that Jimmy G stinks and threw an absolute quacker into the air, into Jalen Watts' hands a couple plays later. But the stability there, McCole Hardman, typically, I know he muffed what, last game, and, but he picked it up and ended up almost being a touchdown. But uh, <laughs> stability there, your, your most experienced punt runner, your best punt returner. I think there's just fear in kicking to McCole. Same thing that I, I explained with with. Tyree kill last year and this is why it would always drive me nuts that they wouldn't do it more often you saw Tyree kill there same thing with McCole Hardman back there you're going to make a concerted effort to kick away from him whether that be out of bounds do a short kick a long kick whatever you got to do and when there's additional things that a punt- punter is thinking about better chance of him absolutely shanking it and so for me I just like the idea of having fear back there uh, as opposed to Sky Moore, who's still learning on the fly. If anything, we're fearful of Sky Moore dropping the ball at this point. And then for me, it's also more touches from McCole Hardman. McCole Hardman was involved in the offense yesterday, and you saw what happened when he's touching the football. 
And the way that they even design the offensive plays for him are these jet sweeps where he's basically a returturner and you see how much damage he can do. And so it's not just a muff punt. It's certainly part of it, but I, I just think lean into like lean into some, some of the elite parts of your team. And I, last year by not using Tyree Hill this year, by not using McCall Harmon and, and going with the rookie, I just, I think you're leaving an elite part of your team on the table. And, and so I hope I've made my point. I, I'm not trying to kill sky more because the only way you can get better is by playing. I just think this, this team has too high of aspirations to be developing in that sense. Well, I'm not going to come out and disagree with you on this, Pete. I'm not, wow. but I think it is time for us to have some perspective on this. Who is the greatest kick returner in chiefs history? Who would that be? I, I'm assuming you're you're pointing to the human joystick. Yes, Dante Hall. Yes. And in his first two seasons in Kansas City, he didn't have a single return for a touchdown. Had some promising plays, but he also, in those first two seasons, fumbled three times. Mm. Okay, this is part of the deal. You know, uh, Tamarik Vanover, who was also a great kick returner in the early 90s, he had touchdowns in his first couple of seasons as a returner, but in his third season, he fumbled six times. <laughs> okay, so let's let's not get too worked up about this. Yes, he didn't return kicks in college. He's learning something he's never done before. But every year, we bring players onto this team who've never worked in a West Coast offense because they don't run that in college mm -hmm. that have never played in Steve Spagnuolo's defense. And they all have to learn these things. This is just part of what you do when you're in the NFL is learn how to do something different than you did before. And I'll give you one more. Everybody thought Ed Podolak was terrible because as a rookie returner, he was yeah. terrible. And then he turned out to be a career returner for the Chiefs and one of the greatest players in, in the team's history. So I think we need to be have some perspective and not get too worked up about this situation. I don't disagree with you, though. I, I didn't know you were going to come with all these stats and those overalls today. What is your third and final marinated takeaway from this game? Uh, I don't think we're going to expect to see this every game uh, like we saw yesterday uh, with the offense. But I think what yesterday's game showed us conclusively is that what the Chiefs are trying to do can work. That it's not, they're not just blowing, you know, sunshine. They have come forward with a plan that can give the benefits that they expected, that they can get the same kind of production out of multiple receivers than they got out of Tyreek Hill. And I think they demonstrated that yesterday. It We'd be fools to expect it to be like this every week, of course, but... The one thing we know now is it can work because yesterday it totally worked. Yeah, I agree. And the first time the Chiefs had two wide receivers over 100 yards since 2000. So mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, we're doing something yeah. right when spreading the football around that. That is a speaking of stats. That is a wild, wild stat. My final marinated takeaway. It's a it's a saucy one. I'm going to describe oh. it as saucy. Oh boy! And it's more of a question than me making a, a takeaway or statement, which is not in the heart of the segment, but I don't care, whatever. It is this. And here's the question. Is Rashad Fenton the fifth best cornerback on the Chiefs? 
Interesting question. We haven't had Rashad Fenton now for two straight games, and he, he did struggle early on in the year. And so, you know, as you go through the cornerbacks, you're like, okay, Pete, well, who are you talking about? Well, Lajari Sneed is one of them. Trent McDuffie, look, he was good for 20 snaps. We're still waiting to find out more about him. Jalen Watson has proven that, to me, he belongs, despite being this late-round pick. And then you have the, the curious case of Joshua Williams. Now, let's say the bad. Joshua Williams allowed three touchdowns in two weeks. The final numbers on this game against the 49ers were three catches on five targets for 45 yards. But he did have the interception of that quacker mm-hmm. in the end zone, the interception. Uh, and it was his second game of his career. And he had the second highest coverage grade on the team from PFF behind Juan Thornhill. And the key point here is this is his second game of his career. And so what that means is you have an unknown ceiling at this point. I mean, we kind of know what Rashad Fenton is. There was one player that Patrick Mahomes was screaming and cursing at during training camp, and his name was Rashad Fenton because all he did was hold Travis Kelsey and then try to try to brag about it. And now I'm not trying to say that players can't th- go through bad stretches and turn it around. The Chiefs have really liked Rashad Fenton, especially yep, they as a backup in the slot behind Legarius Sneed. They have felt like he's been good on the outside. They, to an extent, feel like they're still developing him. And my point could speak more about the young players in this room even more than Fenton. But I just think it's worth asking the question. Is Rashad Fenton the fifth best cornerback on this team? Because when he's suddenly healthy, and maybe Josh Williams is really starting to put some good games together, short memory and everything like that, you know, is is the wrong player going to be pulled off the field so that another player can can get time? And that extends, you know, if you can make him a starter again, that extends to, to pulling playing time from Jalen Watson. So I just think it's something worth pondering that I've been thinking about as I come out of this game. There were times where Brown and Wiley were on islands with some pretty good rushers and, and they just held their own and, and gave Mahomes the ability to step up, you know, on that, on that one right before half to MVS Mahomes was able to step up a couple times and throw it really comfortably. And, and it was when Brown and Wiley were on islands. So want to shout out the big boys up front too. Cause I think especially in pass protection, they had a really good game. Absolutely, and this is, again, how you drew it up this season. We thought the offensive right. line would be one of the best in the league, and and today they, they really were. On this day, they really were. I mean, the running game wasn't hugely impactful, but two running backs still averaged over five yards a carry. Actually, all three of them did. If you kept you – know, McKinnon only had two touches that way. But you're, you're getting you know some production out of your running backs. The screen game worked. That that screen pass to McKinnon was was one of the bigger plays of the game. Oh yeah, that really uh, really moved the sticks in a, in a situation where they were uh, they were behind the eight ball. So yeah, the offensive line put in work. The backup tight ends were putting in work, locking downfield. And I know our guy Noah Gray got called out on the uh, on the broadcast for doing some of those little things that made some of those plays work. I mean, th- this is again you're getting contributions from the top of the roster to the bottom of the roster, exactly how they would have drawn them up. And it wasn't just the offense either, Ron. On defense, uh, they forced turnovers, you know, two interceptions and a fumble recovery. Uh, you had sacks from Chris Jones, from Frank Clark. You had impactful pay- plays from Carlos Dunlop and George Karloftis. So you've got – maybe they don't have the best four-man pass rush in the league, but – they had four main four their four main pass rushers all got home and all made impacts uh, this week, which I think is something we haven't seen a lot this season. But coming into the year, that's what you hope for. Yeah, I, I think to start the game, just kind of like the offense, maybe uh, the defense, especially the pass rush, I don't think was 
doing much. I, I wasn't impressed maybe with the beginning. I, I think there was a lot of times Jimmy G had a lot of time to throw. And and they were getting gashed both in the run and the pass game um, kind of to start the defense. But I think, again, to your, to your theme of the show so far, kind of how they drew it up, I think there is something too. The pass rush with, with kind of the depth they have, you know, I, I do think it was the main guys this week that got it done, but I think their, their even rotation did allow the guys to be fresh later in the game. And you got, and you saw guys like Frank Clark explode off the line, beating Trent Williams, you know, one of the best left tackles in the league, albeit he was injured and limited this week in practice. And so was right tackle Mike McGlinchey. I do think the chiefs took advantage of that and, and as they should, which I'm glad they did obviously, but yeah, I, I, it was, it was a great to see Frank do that. It was really cool to see, you know, again, more and more these last few games we've seen Spag say, hey, I'm just going to find Chris Jones a mismatch, which happened to be right tackle these last three games, and I'm going to let him go to work. And it's, and it's worked, obviously. He's been dominant on those certain reps where he gives uh, he goes against the right tackle kind of yeah, on By island. no means we're saying let's move Chris Jones to full-time. Oh, hell no. <laughs> hell <laughs> no. Let's, we're not doing that yeah. again. <laughs> but it's no coincidence that he has made some massive plays from that spot and you're right. I think it really is. A, it's a matchup and it is, let's just cut them loose and, and see what happens. You know, Spags certainly has been, has been blitzing plenty. He did. There was a, I haven't seen the percentages yet, but I think he got after it with the blitz this week. Um, and it, and it worked against, you know, certain quarterbacks that you know, you can get to on a blitz. And I think Garoppolo was one of those, but you had success from Sneed from gay, you know, getting in there uh, and getting hits on the quarterback uh, they, they shared a sack this week. Uh, so you had some, some plays from the blitz. You had some plays from the, uh, from the base rush and, and they're able to mix it up a little bit. Yeah. And, and I, I do want to point out just that, you know, with the chiefs red zone defense this year, it hasn't been great statistically. And I do think, you know, a lot of that has to do with, it's really hard down there for, for cornerbacks, especially these young cornerbacks the chiefs have had to play with recently, you know, to keep up with, with these route concepts, you know, cause it's a lot of man coverage down there. I think that's where Spags blitzing, especially in this game and in the Buffalo game, really came in, came in handy. I mean, you think about the Sky Moore muff punt setting up the Niners to score late in the first half. On that third and three, Spagnuolo sends, I think it was seven, maybe even, actually it was seven uh, blitzing. So that's, you know, more than you usually send. You know, actually leaving the running back without a, ma- a guy covering him in man, kind of risking it a little bit. And what happens? Karloftis gets a quarterback hit. Jimmy Dreed throws up a, you know, a, a prayer for the most part. And Joshua Williams, high points, it gets an interception. Great play by him. So that's where Spags' blitzing really comes in handy. Uh, you know, just, just – and you saw it against the Bills last week too. Josh Allen, you know, we, they got that fourth down stop because of a few blitzes. That's, where, that's those difference makers in the game. And when the offense plays like this compared to what they played like last week, you take advantage of those opportunities and, and kind of separate, you know, kind of take control of the game, um, you know, given – kind of winning that extra possession, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it, it, in a way, they were able to make the, the Niners one-dimensional after they had huge success early running the ball. Yeah, From the rest of the game, Jeff Wilson got some, some running uh, stats, but it didn't make any difference. They, were, they knew they had to try to get some chunk plays, and the Chiefs' uh, pressure was able to make that very difficult uh, for, for Garoppolo to execute. And again, that's, that's the way you draw it up with this team. They get out to a lead. They let their pass rushers loose. And then you hope for the best. And, and, you know, when, when the offense is clicking like it is, you have that luxury and you don't have to worry about uh, even towards the end of the game. I, you know, I was like, if the Niners score a touchdown here, great, whatever. Like it doesn't, it doesn't make any difference. Just, you're just going to give the ball back to the chiefs with another opportunity to score 
and run clock and, and giving up a, even if they gave up a touchdown on one of those blitz plays, it, it wouldn't have made any difference in the outcome of this game. Right. No, it, it was just a great game overall. And, and, and just a great way to head into the bye week, beating a team like that, giving everyone confidence. So, I mean, I don't know, Stags, you want to get into this punctuation game? I think it's, it, it's, 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 you know, I think this is a, one of my fun, my favorite recurring segments going on for us. Now. <laughs> hey. Yeah, we wanted to talk this week. You know, we, in the past, we've done punctuation on this week. You know, what players have uh, exclamation points or question marks based on their performance. But we thought it was uh, a good time to think about it, the team as a whole going into the bye, position by position. Let's cover all of them, starting with the offense. And let's see, position by position, are they playing, uh, you know, as well as expected or are there still some question marks Uh what are you excited about with this team heading into the bye week? Let's start with quarterback. Uh, Ron, do you have a hot take on the quarterback position so far this year? <laughs> I'm going to say it's an exclamation point if that's a hot take. Uh, no, these, these stats we have here, man. I mean, Mahomes this year, just as good as he's ever been. I think he, you know, he's firmly in the MVP race. I get Josh Allen is, is probably the favorite over him, but just reel him off real quick. Mahomes, it's his highest completion percentage of his career so far. He leads the league in passing touchdowns with, uh, you know, by three. Although, Al, you know, Allen is on his bye week this week, so that's that's why um, highest touchdown percentage though. So that that takes into account rate. 0.1 yards per attempt behind Josh Allen uh, for the lead in the NFL. So just you know, second and you know, just by that much. Leader in passer rating QBR. I mean, I don't know, Stag. Mahomes has just been so good this year, and this game has it was obviously almost the peak of it. Could have been his best game of the year. I think it's there's an argument to be made. And, and, and real quick, I guess one thing I noticed, uh, you know, um, if I'm looking at the box score, too, and watching the game, you didn't see him scramble at all. You didn't really see him, you know, go outside the pocket, go out of structure, uh, you know, like like you could maybe, uh, you know, uh, say uh, pun pun intended there on the podcast. But he really didn't, uh, you know, do much from out of the pocket. He really uh, in his pass protection, like we mentioned, really allowed him to do so. But this game was really just him being surgical you know, his best performance from in the pocket really just just was just picking apart the Niners defense. And that was the most important or, uh, you know, impressive part to me. So Mahomes has just been on fire this year, man. Yeah, I, I love this stat from NFL research that says the highest quarterback winning percentage, including the playoffs since 2019. Uh, number one is Patrick Mahomes at 790. And, and number two is Aaron Rodgers, 733 winning percentage. Number three would be Patrick Mahomes in games where he trailed by 10 plus points, which is he's still at over 700 um, winning percentage, even when trailing by 10 points at some point in that game. I don't think any other quarterback, if I remember right, is even over 50 percent uh, on that stat. I think uh, even close to 50 percent, I think. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. So, yeah, we'll give an exclamation point to the quarterbacks, even though Chad Henney, you know, wasn't at his best this Sunday. Uh, in the brief time that he was in, no, that's that's a that's a clear clear exclamation point. What about the running backs? So this week you saw the the news that came out that Isaiah Pacheco would be the starter and Clyde Edwards-Helaire would you know would be more of a backup. Uh, Pacheco had eight carries, Edwards-Helaire had six carries. So I, I don't know that you can really say that anything was that dramatically different. If those are the two-headed monsters, if that is the committee uh, with McKinnon having some specialized roles in pass protection and the occasional 30-yard screenplay that just saves the day, uh, how do you feel about the running back room this week? 
It's definitely a question mark, right? I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's mucky. You know, you can't really tell, you know, exactly what they want to do. I mean, I, I do think it's noteworthy that, you know, Pacheco gets the first carry of the game. You know, technically the starter, his first career start, you know, that is a change up from what they've done. Um, but I didn't see any sort of change in, in scheme or like, uh, you know, style right away. You know, the first run of the game was a typical outside zone shotgun play that I hate. So um, I, and then obviously the second drive Clyde's in the game. So I don't, it is definitely a question mark. You know, I think when the offensive line plays like this, it doesn't really matter who's getting the ball. We saw that with Clyde's 16 yard touchdown run, just beautiful blocking Wiley kicks out Bosa um, or not really kicks him out, but just washes him out of the play. And then Trey Smith, just moves the line of scrimmage, just creates penetration up the field, which actually allows – it was an outside zone play um, from shotgun, but it allows Clyde, instead of to run too horizontal, the penetration allowed him to get up field quicker and, and allow him to, to gain steam and, and get those 16 yards for a touchdown. So, again, it, it's a question mark because of the players themselves. But, again, when the offensive line plays like this, I don't really care who's, who's touting the rock too much. Yeah, I still feel good about the position. Uh, you're right. Maybe it's a – Maybe this would be a period. Like they are kind of how we. How we <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that. No exclamation point. There's no, you know, I don't have a ton of questions about this position. I think they've they've got three guys they can use. Uh, they've got Ronald Jones, who they don't use. It, it's just you know, <laughs> yeah, pretty much how how we thought it would be for the most part. Uh, what about wide receivers? You know, there's been there's been some real up, ups and downs this year. Obviously, this week was a high with you know the two guys over 100 yards. Hardman scoring three touchdowns. I mean, that's about as good of a game from the wide receiver group as you can get, other than the, the contribution from Sky Moore, which haven't happened yet. Um, I think the rest of this room feels like they're, they're falling into place pretty nicely. But are you excited about the wide receiver room going forward, or are there still questions that are unanswered? Exclamation point here for sure. Um, it, uh, you know, I say mucky with the running back room. This is as clear to me as we've ever thought. Uh, could see of the receiver room how how the roles are playing out we talked about it already you know I, I think you know Sky Moore has, has has slowly eaten you know even though he only got this one target this week he has slowly and slowly uh, you know eaten more into McColl's snaps so I think when that happens that happens I don't but when the rest of the group plays like this who cares right I mean is, does it really matter if, if Sky is ready to go right now or you know in two three weeks I mean and he's a rookie too. I mean, if, if it never happens in the rest of this, uh, you know, in this year, I should say, and, and the rest of this room plays like this, you know, I don't think it matters too much. You know, if Juju can keep, continue to beat man coverage, you know, if, if MBS can continue to take advantage of, of when safeties do kind of jump underneath routes and, and Mahomes can hook up with them, if McColl can continue to utilize his packages, I mean, ex- exclamation point might be double exclamation point here, Stags. I'm, I'm excited <laughs> about how this wide receiver room is looking. Yeah, I mean, I still think there's a little bit of, I'll, I'll give him a question mark. Just oh. for consistency, because if okay, you look at the last week's game, MBS had zero catches on three targets. So Juju was starting to establish himself as that consistent number one. But with Sky Moore not contributing really at all yet, with MBS being really up and down, I still think there's there's going to be some weeks where they're they're not impressive. Uh, Justin Watson, you know, isn't super involved. He had the nice touchdown this week, but. Other than that, he's been pretty quiet on most weeks. So as long as the trend continues like it has against the 49ers, then, then yeah, they're trending towards an exclamation point. But I still think there's some questions until you see it um, for a few more weeks in a row. That's fair. Real quick, I'll just say that I, I think the MBS deep role part of it is I, I do think you're right. There's going to be games where you don't see him maybe much at all. Um, but I, I just feel like, 
be, seeing it in the Tampa game, seeing it also, you know, they missed it in the Colts game just barely. That could have been a big play in this game as well. I do think you're seeing that at least they have that. At least that's what they're, they're, they're getting to those at, at some points. And, and I just think, you know, seeing them maximize it in these couple opportunities in the first seven weeks of the year, it's only going to get better. So that's why I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, I mean, if you look at uh, uh, Fat White Goodman on Twitter throughout some some uh, stats on where the Chiefs' offensive players are pacing towards, Juju is on pace for about 1,200 yards and 82 catches, five touchdowns. Before the season started, would you be pretty excited about that pace? I think that's exactly where you would you would yes. hope he would be. MVS on pace for about 900 yards, uh, not any touchdowns yet, so there's really no pace there, but. 900 yards for MVS, 1,200 for Juju. I think you'd be that, – that'd be pretty much what you'd hope for uh, this season or expect maybe if, within those roles. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. Had to change things up last minute. Is It's never quiet for the Kansas City Chiefs, even on a bye week. On Thursday, it was announced that they have traded for New York Giants second-year wide receiver Kadarius Toney. The Kansas City Chiefs sent a third-round pick, as well as a 2023 sixth-round pick to the Giants in exchange for the young wide receiver who's got plenty of upside. Myself, Pete Sweeney, and Ron Kopp sat down for an Arrowhead Pride emergency podcast to discuss the Chiefs' stunning trade. After that, we'll get back on schedule with the Bi-Week Thoughts podcast, as well as the Bi-Week Awards. Generally, I think this is a low-risk, high-upside move, given the fact that the receiver could potentially be with the Chiefs if he does get healthy through 2025. You have that fifth-year option now as well. So this is a player that's going to be with the Chiefs for a long time. And it's for a low salary. I mean, you're not really paying him all that much. And if you don't want the fifth-year option, you don't want the fifth-year option. The, the cap number never hits above $3 million. And the Chiefs really like this guy. From what I have heard and talking to people that are inside the building, they were very, very high on him ahead of last year's NFL draft. Then because of COVID and because of, I believe it was an oblique strain and a hamstring. I mean, Tony has just not been able to stay on the field. I mean, how often do the Chiefs say, we trust Rick Burkholder, we trust his training staff. And so I think there's going to be a let's get him right process. Like, I don't, you know, he hasn't played in a while. I don't, I don't think they're going to necessarily rush him on the field. And if you're worried about the future, well, the Chiefs still have eight picks in the 2023 NFL draft. That includes a first rounder, second rounder, third rounder, two fourth rounders. They think they, they may end up getting two compensatory picks as well. So it could still be 10 picks. And if you look at the wide receivers under contract for 2023, listen to these names, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Sky Moore, Justin Ross, and now Tony. There's no guarantees that Juju or McCole Hardman are necessarily going to be here uh, next year. And then as you were saying, Ron, I I think it does fall under the, the beach special. And I used an example of Sammy Watkins. Now, it's not a one-for-one. One. Sammy Watkins, at the time of his signing, had done things in the NFL and really showed that he could be that guy on the big stage. But I think the energy there is the same in the idea that 
I believe Brett Veach and the personnel staff with the Chiefs identified that Tony isn't right a blue chip player right now. He hasn't been on the field, but he could be right. He's six feet. He runs a sub four 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 three nine at the the Florida Pro Day, and I I think they're taking a not so much compensation back to the Giants' chance to go get him. When you talk about a compensatory third round pick, you're actually talking about a fourth round pick in, in a sense. It's not it's not a real third rounder when you look at in the course of history those picks happen after the round and so I just I feel okay about it I don't think it's a big deal for for 2022 you know I I don't think this is a move for 2022 I think this is a move for the future which is why you can be comfortable in knowing that the Chiefs are still going to be involved in what will be the OBJ sweepstakes we're starting to find out that he's not going to be ready till early December so I expect that to pick up uh, in a week or two after the bye week Certainly. So, Steve, I'll I'll go back to you before we go to Ron for the film analysis. Hearing all that, how do you feel about about the move? Well, I think what you said there about the Chiefs training staff is a really important component to all of this because he is a player who's shown legit dynamic upside here in the NFL, but he's really struggled to stay on the field. And the Chiefs have one of the best training staffs in football. Like we, we talk about it every single year. And so they have to go to those guys and say, can we keep him healthy and keep him on the field and make sure he's able to play for us? And Rick Burkholder and that staff were like, yeah, like we'll, we'll get it. We'll get him right. Because we know that some of these NFL training staffs aren't, uh, aren't necessarily the, uh, the best teams in football. And cough when, chargers. Trying, cough, cough. Yeah. When trying to <laughs> keep their guys healthy. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think that's a really important component here. Um, I think that he is going to have an opportunity to return punts right away and contribute there because I don't think there was a chance the chiefs were going to come out of this bye week with sky Moore as their punt returner moving forward, just based on what we've seen from him so far this year. But yeah, it's, I hadn't even really thought about the Justin Ross component of it. If he comes back and is healthy and looks like that player that he was in college when he was at his peak. And I still think that sky Moore's got a ton of upside. All of a sudden you're talking about this wide receiver core that was kind of going through an overhaul this off season. And all of a sudden they're young again, they're young and they all have a bunch of upside if they're healthy, which is a big if, but man, Patrick Mahomes is making it work with a lot of different people this season. And you give him these young, inexpensive playmakers, and it gives the Chiefs the ability to go out and continue to build the roster in other places. Plus, they've got this defensive youth that they're building now. And it's hard not to feel good about where the Chiefs are going here in the ne- in the near future and over the next couple of years. I do have to you know, go with the, the one negative point here, and that's like the Giants have had a lot of receiver issues, right? Sometimes you look back at the team- the teams that have are trading the player. And I think we especially do that here in Kansas city as we have been dealing with this Orlando Brown junior situation. It's like, what did that team maybe know that, that the chiefs didn't know. And so there's always that factor factor, but like much unlike the Orlando Brown deal. I mean, it's just not as much compensation. I talked about the three, the comp three and, and the six. So that's where it becomes low risk. And, this does fit under, I think, the the guys of the the Veach special. It's just we don't see this recent of a first rounder usually come to Kansas City. Where I think this is a different type of Veach special because we just don't know as much. I think about this player, and that could be a good thing because usually when we are talking about again, I'm going to say it one more time, the Veach special. It's a player that didn't really work out 
in another place, but they had a real opportunity to be healthy on the field. It's not good that he's been sort of sickly slash unhealthy for a year and a half, but I think where you can look into the positive of that is to me, it's still a, a hidden door in a way. And Ron, you, you jumped into the film. There have been times when he really has flashed as being, you know, as they say that, that dude in the NFL. Absolutely. I mean, you mentioned the low, the low 40 time that he had the sub four, four. I mean, he was a first round pick for a reason. Um, and, right. and, and, and it, the giants, a lot of people tried to clown the giants for taking him there, but it came out later that they took him there because they felt like a lot of other teams were trying to get him. And, and the chiefs could have been one, obviously um, later in that first round. So that, that, that is the thing with him. And, and I, I do want to make something clear though. I, I think it's easy to say, or you see a guy, you know, that that's, you know, fast and, and electric in the open field and think, OK, does this mean something for McCole Hardman's role in the offense? Well, I think they are pretty, uh, you know, it, it's pretty they're, they're different players. They're, it's, it's not very close um, in similarity wise, in my opinion. You know, Hardman is very good at the straight ahead speed stuff, and that's why he's really good on those jet sweeps and, and obviously on the vertical routes when he does get loose um, going down the field. You know, Tony does have that that low uh, 40 speed, but. It, it's he's not the same kind of vertical threat. He's not a guy that's going to just be, you know, straight ahead speed, building, you know, building momentum and speed as he goes. He's, he's more of a short burst, quick area kind of guy. And that's where I, I think, you know, maybe some of the quick screen stuff. You mentioned screen passes, uh, you know, as, as a way to maybe get the ball in his hands that, yeah, that could take away from what McColl does a little bit. But in terms of the jet sweeps, again, you know, being that vertical presence, uh, may, maybe even being a decoy down the field, I, I think Hardman's more you know, fits that role still. And that's, and that's what he's been doing. So I, I think you'll see more of that, but the underneath stuff is where I think Tony can contribute, you know, on a quick slant. I do think he can create that separation that, you know, and, and they run those, those RPO slants. We've seen Juju succeed on recently. They've tried to get sky more going on those. And that's where you maybe think, okay. And, and this was an, another thought I had maybe right away is like, is this a response to maybe sky not coming along as quick as they, as they want? I think I, I, I push back on that. Um, my own initial thought, um, just because I, I, I don't think, you know, I, I don't think just because Moore's not picking it up right now is Tony supposed to come in and pick it up any quicker. So that's where I don't think it necessarily impacts McColl's role or necessarily Skies. I mean, maybe Tony eats into Skies limited snaps a little more, on, on, again, on those quick throws, on those slants, on those quick screens that we've seen, like the end of the Raiders game, if, if we remember, um, you know, Sky got involved on a quick, a couple quick screens. So I, I, I think... Right now, I'm not sure exactly how it impacts the rest of the offensive players. I think he'll just get sprinkled in as the season goes. And, you know, the DeAnthony Thomas packages, you know, I, I think he's mm -hmm. a better player than DeAnthony Thomas. But those back in the day where you think all of a sudden DeAnthony Thomas is getting a quick screen out of nowhere and you'd like, where did that come from? I think that could maybe be how he gets involved right away. But I agree with Serta. I do think he could be the punt returner right away. I, I don't see why not, right? That's just a way to get him. And he's had experience doing it, obviously, more than Sky Moore, someone who didn't even do it in college. So, that's why I think maybe the, the best, uh, the, the quickest way we could see him contribute is, is in special teams. Yeah, I thought of something while you, while you were talking, Ron, and, and I, I tend to agree. I don't, I don't know how much it's going to eat into McColl's role. However, it could. Could you imagine mm. being McColl Hardman right now? Yeah. Like, yeah. Drafted in the second round by the Chiefs, then you think Tyreek Hill may not play all year. And he gets no games suspended. <laughs> so your role is kind of not going to be, at least with the offense, right away. Then you watch Tyreek Hill become, let's be honest, we can be honest here, right? This is just us, us three talking. He's one of the best receivers in the NFL. Meanwhile, Travis Kelsey's on the team eating your targets. You're like, okay, I just got to stay the path. Got to play my role. Eventually, one of these guys will leave. Hill leaves via trade, and the Chiefs bring in Juju Smith-Schuster and Marquez Ellis-Kelly, an established deep threat and a pretty good possession receiver. So, again, 
your your snaps and your touches are limited. Then what do you do? You're like, okay, I'm you know I'm just gonna try to stay positive. I'm gonna keep working. You just have the best game of your career. You know, I'm, right. I'm gonna have the best game of my career. I'm gonna score three touchdowns. No one in history, no one in NFL history has, has played the wide receiver position has ever had two rushing touchdowns and a receiving touchdown in the game. And then what do the Chiefs do? They go trade for another receiver that could eat into your role. I mean, the 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 ability for this man to stay positive has has been, I think, just very impressive in in my mind. I want to go to the fan reaction of this deal. We put up a poll so far uh, at Arrowhead Pride with the announcement of the uh, trade for Kadarius Tony, and usually it takes about a thousand votes for the the vote to not move as much. That usually gives us a good glimpse into what the Chiefs fans are thinking about it. So right now we have 2,400 votes and it's a 71% approval rate, 29% uh, non-approval rate. So about three fourths of Chiefs fans are happy about this thing. And a, and a fourth are not that happy and not to push back on the fans that are unhappy because, you know, not every fan is going to like every single move, but I, I just, I just don't think there's a ton of, of risk involved just because the Chiefs should still have about, you know, eight to 10 picks in the NFL draft. So I, I think that's where I would push back. Does those 29% surprise you, Steve, of, of Chiefs fans not being thrilled about this? No, because uh, I, I do think there's worry about it, right? And because of the injury well, issues and things like there that. Has, there, I mean, for, correct me if I'm wrong here. There, there Was there an attitude issue in New York with Tony? So that I think that's kind of the problem, too, is that, you know, uh, and I don't even blame him for Joe Judge and dealing with that coaching staff. No, I probably no. wouldn't play for that guy Every, either. Look at Danny Dimes right now. I think everybody it's, gets a pass with right. Joe Judge. Yeah. But there was like rumblings of like questioning his work ethic and how much he was really invested in picking up the playbook and, you know, going through film and doing all the things that you need to do at the NFL level to succeed and become like a premier kind of player. And that was last year with Joe judge, which we know that was one of the worst coaching staffs in NFL history. Like they were just awful, awful. And this year, Brian Dable looks like he has put together a really good staff and they're having a really good season, but it never felt like Kadarius Tony was even a part of their plan. So that worries me. But again, I think it comes back to you're taking a bet on the culture of your locker room, on the leadership of Patrick Mahomes and the leadership of Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey and, and the guys that are already established winners in this locker room and saying, we'll get him up to speed. We'll, we'll, we'll make him a better NFL uh, wide receiver and we will get the most out of him. And if you don't, it didn't really cost you that much. So hopefully it works out. But the Chiefs are just betting on their situation and their circumstances here to get the most out of a player who's had an up and down NFL career in only a year and a half. The Chiefs, especially, you know, you mentioned the Bills and, you know, we're through seven weeks. They got two losses on the season, a really bad loss to the Indianapolis Colts and that loss to the Buffalo Bills that you shouldn't be kind of hanging your head about because I, I do think that the bills right now are the best team in the NFL, but everything that the bills did this off season was in response to the Kansas city chiefs and trying to make sure that they built a roster that they knew could go into arrowhead in January if they needed to and, and try to get a win. And they did that early in the season. Now we'll see how things go uh, come playoff time this year, but 
the reason we're still so optimistic about the Kansas City Chiefs is, you know, they're coming off of that huge win over the San Francisco 49ers. It was their best performance of the year, hands down. But this roster still has growth. Like they still have an opportunity to get better as the season moves along. Like we'll get into the defense, we'll get in the offense, and we'll, we won't take up too much of your guys' time today. But this defense still has tons of room for growth and the offense is operating at an incredibly efficient level. And you have to assume that as the season goes on, these younger players are going to get more involved and going to find more of a role for themselves. And, you know, we're going to continue to see the chemistry between MVS and Juju and McColl and Mahomes build on top of what is already an unstoppable chemistry with Travis Kelsey. And all of those things are bad things for the rest of the NFL. Oh, my God. Yeah, the rest of the NFL is on notice right now after last night. Um, I think that if the Chiefs can continue to work on their pass protection and figure out the, especially the right side of the offensive line with Andrew Wiley and kind of continue to give him help over there and get that, get that locked down, the offense is ready. The offense is locked and ready to go. It's probably the most potent offense in the NFL. There's not another offense that can score at will like that, except for maybe the Bills. It's the defensive side of the ball where you really want to see them get healthy. Like just, just I want to see what the secondary looks like with Trent McDuffie back on the field. You know, with Rashad Fenton and Legarius Sneed, and have and having a healthy secondary to kind of help out the pass rush so that they don't feel like they have to get to the quarterback. You know, in in zero point zero seconds, or else the secondary is going to get beat. Um, I think that moving forward as long as the Chiefs can continue to get healthier week by week by week, especially coming out of the bye week, they should be completely healthy for the most part. I think that the Chiefs' best football is still in front of them, and that should be really exciting to you if you're a Chiefs fan. And just to highlight some of the things that they've done offensively, obviously they trade away Tyreek Hill this offseason and – you know, little bit of panic. What are they going to do offensively in Kansas City without Tyree Kill, at least from the national media? I know people here in Kansas City didn't seem to be all that worried about Tyree Kill going to the Miami Dolphins, and he's having a spectacular season. But this Chiefs offense hasn't taken a step back in any way. Like they're the number one scoring offense in the NFL through seven weeks. Patrick Mahomes has 2,159 passing yards to 20 touchdowns and only five interceptions. He's completing almost 67% of his passes. He leads the NFL in passing yards through seven weeks. Travis Kelsey, seventh in the NFL in receiving yards, which even by his standards, that's actually kind of low where we've seen him have seasons where, you know, he finishes in the top three in receiving yards of the NFL, but he's been excellent. He leads the NFL with seven receiving touchdowns this season, and he didn't even score one against the 49ers because he had one called back over a penalty, but he's been exceptional all year and totally unstoppable. Uh, Clyde Edwards, Alaire has been a pleasant surprise. He's got six total touchdowns on the season. And I, I think the biggest difference maker for Clyde so far is that, He's got 16 receptions through seven weeks, and we've spent years talking about getting Clyde involved in the passing game, and the Chiefs are finally doing it, though it is worth noting there's been a little bit more of a shift here recently as they head into the bye. Uh, Clyde does not have a catch in the last two games. He's only got one target in the last two games, and I, I do think that maybe there's a, a little bit of an adjustment there going on as we're seeing Jarek McKinnon get more and more snaps every week. He's getting more involved in the passing game. Isaiah Pacheco is getting more involved in the offense as a whole, and they do have this three running back committee rotation going on right now. But 
as far as expectations for the offense coming into the season, I don't think the Chiefs could have had a better first seven weeks of the year where they still look totally dominant. And, you know, we talk about losing a player like Tyree Kill and like the Green Bay Packers are a great example of it this season where they lose Devontae Adams kind of are going through this similar style rebuild. It's just Aaron Rodgers at the end of his career instead of the prime of his career, like Patrick Mahomes. And I think Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid have surpassed every expectation, in my opinion, offensively for the first part of this season, especially when we talk about how tough this schedule was, even though it hasn't exactly worked out on paper to be the toughest schedule in NFL history. It was still a brutal start to the season, and the Chiefs are 5-2 and two after the first seven weeks. The Chiefs are seven games into this season, like you said, 5-2. and two. And then Let's just put this into perspective. Patrick Mahomes came into this season with a brutal start to the season with an entirely new wide receiving core and and with questions about his offensive coordinator, right? That's what the that's what the Chiefs were facing oh, and no Tyreek Hill, right? That's what they were facing coming into this season. Right now, 7 games in, Patrick Mahomes is on pace for 5200 passing yards, 48 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. That's almost identical numbers to his MVP season. Right, it's more passing yards, only two less touchdowns. You can't tell me as he gets more and more and more familiar with these wide receivers that he doesn't project to even have better passing numbers on the second half of the season, where the schedule does get a little bit easier and where he's more familiar with his wide receivers. We could be seeing Patrick Mahomes top his MVP season this year if he keeps on playing this way. This is the best Patrick Mahomes we've seen yet in his career up to this point, and I think that the Chiefs record and the success that his new wide receivers are having is a reflection of just the fact that Patrick Mahomes is that guy, like how good Patrick Mahomes is and how lucky we are to have him as our quarterback. And I believe at least the last time that I looked, Patrick Mahomes was still number two in the MVP odds behind only Josh Allen. And it's pretty clear to me right now that it's the bills and the chiefs to top the NFL. Um, you know, Philadelphia is in that mix. I think they're the top three teams across the league. And I don't think it's really close. I think they've separated themselves from everyone else in football, but I predicted Patrick Mahomes was going to win the MVP prior to the season because he was going to be pissed off because there was a lot of talk this offseason. Herbert's better than Mahomes. Burrow's better than Mahomes. Aaron Rodgers is still better than Mahomes. And that game that we saw against the San Francisco 49ers was him operating at the highest level of efficiency possible, looking totally unstoppable, working through the offense and executing everything to perfection. And he's not going to have flawless games like that every single week. And I know he did have the interception, but it was such a flawless performance. I don't even care about that pick because every other time he took the field, it was like, we're going to score a touchdown and there's nothing you can do about it. If he operates like this, the rest of the season, I don't think that I, I think that he's easily going to come away with another MVP and doing it with, with this cast of wide receivers compared to what he's had in the past, man, it, it's really hard not to be totally impressed with the offense so far this year, but I want to get into the defense and get into a few things that we're going to keep, be keeping an eye on in kind of expectations that we have for the second half of the season. Uh, the Chiefs defense, they're still only giving up 92 rushing yards per game. That's great. Um, I'm still not convinced that they're all of a sudden like this dominant run defense or something. I think it has more to do with the fact that the offense has been so good 
and teams just can't run on them because we have seen teams put up big rushing games on them like the, the Raiders a couple of weeks ago they kind of struggled against the Bills but then the Bills you know decided to start passing it more and kind of challenging them downfield and kind of gave up on the run and the Bills aren't a, a rushing team they're similar to the Chiefs in the fact that they would just prefer to throw the football all the time but that's great. Uh, you're, you got to be happy about that. They've also got 19 sacks through the first seven weeks. They only had eight sacks through the first seven weeks of 2021. Um, so this defense, despite the fact that we've been a little skeptical about the pass rush, and at times they have struggled to get home, Spags has done an incredible job all season long of just dialing up these perfectly timed blitzes at, at key moments in the game. And that's helped a lot. But over the first seven weeks, I think we have seen a growth in the pass rush, at least, to where the pass rush isn't as worrisome as it was last season, where at the trade deadline they had to go out and get Melvin Ingram because they didn't have any answers along the defensive line. And Ingram wound up being a key component for them late in the season. I do feel better about this defensive line the way that it's currently constructed, even if they do, as we approach the trade deadline, decide to try to go out and make something else happen there. I think they could use a little bit more depth there, but the pass rush so far this season has been spectacular. And I think it starts with Chris Jones, who has been absolutely dominant this year. Yeah. I mean, surprise, surprise. The Chiefs pass rush starts with Chris Jones, who's a top three pass rusher, you know, at his position in the NFL. I mean, what you have Aaron Donald maybe is a better pass rushing defensive tackle. And that's open for debate this year. Chris Jones, has been utterly dominant so far. Yeah, would I like to see them go out there and add maybe a little bit more depth on the edge? Sure, I would love to see that. Dude, I think that it's critical to the success of this team moving forward, not necessarily at the if the at the back end of the defense can get healthy and step up. Um, I think that what you're seeing, like last year they had to go out and they had to get Melvin Egram but that's basically because we didn't have a guy like Carlos Dunlap on the roster. Like we do right now, we didn't have a George Karloftis. So yeah, our edge rushers are a little bit deeper than they were. You would, you would like to see them maybe, you know, go out and trade, trade away some resources to maybe get a top end talent, but not at the risk of mortgaging the future, right? Like if you're going to have to go out there and give up multiple first round draft picks to get a guy, then I pass, right? Cause I'd rather take two, two swings in the first round, at a guy then 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 try to get a short-term solution and by giving up multiple first round draft picks for a guy that you're going to, have to turn around and pay immediately afterwards so moving forward i think the defense is in a better position than they have been the rest of the season just because Loftus is only going to get better and the secondary is only going to get healthier so i mean moving forward you know it it it, it it's not going to get worse than it is right now. Right. So, and, 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 and so we know what the floor is and the floor is not terrible. The floor is better than last year, honestly. All right. The, uh, the, the meaty ones, the, the big, big time awards that we've been waiting on the entire episode, offensive MVP unanimous vote winner. It's Travis Kelsey. And, I don't see how you could pick anybody else um, because I, I think you probably know who the MVP is at this point, but Travis Kelsey at his age is still the best tight end in the NFL. He's still been absolutely exceptional this season. And despite the fact that he is drawing bracket coverage and the most attention from the opposing team's defense on a weekly basis, he's still finding ways to catch passes and make plays every single week. 
leads the NFL in receiving touchdowns right now with seven on the season. He's still, I think, like seventh in receiving yards, which we've seen him finish like top three in that category before. So he's still doing pretty well for a tight end. So I don't think that uh, you'll hear any disagreement from me or Zach on Travis Kelsey. Absolutely not. Uh, he is he's the glue that's kept our offense together from weeks one to six. Um, in week seven, he kind of stepped back a little and let the uh, re- uh, the free agent wide receivers shine, which was beautiful to see. But when I was writing this up, um, my opinions on all these players, I thought there's no way that anyone could put a, a hold a candle to Travis Kelsey because he has just been the only player to be performing on our offense aside from Patrick Mahomes this season. Yeah, he is the glue that kind of allows everything else to work. And even in last week, really, he just didn't score a touchdown. Like he was still great against San Francisco. And that was part of my cause for concern about that matchup where San Francisco personnel wise on defense matches up just about as well as any team in the NFL in terms of trying to stop Travis Kelsey. Like we talk about Fred Warner and what an exceptional player he is for the 49ers. Travis Kelsey was giving him some problems on Sunday and it just speaks to the level that he's playing at right now. He's been absolutely incredible this season and just has shown no signs of slowing down whatsoever for the Kansas city Chiefs. So he absolutely deserves the award this week. Uh, MVP Patrick Mahomes, um, you know, Zach, it's hard for me to, uh, sit here and even try to consider anybody else. We know who the MVP of this team is. Uh, He's in the conversation for NFL MVP again. He leads the NFL in passing yards right now. He leads the NFL in passing touchdowns. And it feels like Patrick Mahomes is operating at a level right now that's even above some of the other seasons that we've seen from him, which sounds absolutely ridiculous when you talk about the level of play that he's had since entering the NFL. Well, when Orlando Brown is doing his best impersonation of a turnstile in weeks one to five, um, it was really hard to see Patrick Mahomes shine because he didn't have a lot of time to do so. But even then, he was still throwing touchdowns. And, I mean, no no one, nothing can stop him. He's just that good. Yeah, he's been absolutely incredible this season. And, you know, last year we spent so much time talking about how teams are playing the chiefs different and they're taking away the big plays and it's slowing down the offense. Well, then Mahomes, you know, we saw the ups and downs last season of him trying to operate in a slower pace, more dink and dunk uh, middle of the field type of offense, as opposed to, you know, the big play down the field offense. And we saw him struggle with that throughout the season. And then of course, in that uh, AFC championship game against the Cincinnati Bengals, but, what he learned last season through that process is, okay, well, I can do operate that way at a high level, and that's going to make the defense play closer if I'm just shredding them on each and every drive for 15 plays and we're still scoring touchdowns, and that's going to open things up for the stuff downfield. And I think we saw that all really kind of uh, culminate against the San Francisco 49ers, where it's when he's operating at this level where – He can hit the short, he can hit the intermediate, and it's going to open things up downfield. This offense is going to be very tough to stop. So Patrick Mahomes absolutely just carving up the NFL this season, and we definitely continue uh, expect him to continue that into the second half of the season. So those are our AP bye week awards. 
If you had any issues with uh, you know, guys you feel like should have gotten a nod or maybe should have gotten some more votes, you can leave those. But I'm going to ask that if you want us to read those and acknowledge them on next week's Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, that you have to do it in our reviews as always we're in the five-star business so please leave us a five-star review and you can leave any gripes that you have any any guys you feel like didn't get mentioned on the list in the review as well we will get to those on next monday's show uh with pete sweeney and john dixon zach thank you very much for joining me you can follow all of zach's fantastic work he does a lot of fantasy embedding stuff for us at arrowheadpride.com you can also follow him on twitter at zach gunter 08 zach appreciate you joining me we'll talk thank again you for soon. having me